Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday, so you know it's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. A pleasure to bring to the program for the first time. I've been following this guy on Twitter. Uh, he's an associate editor for BloodyElbow.com, also an editor for Field Goals, so he's got a local connection out here. But uh, love talking the sport of MMA with a guy who knows about it, and he is with us now on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. He is Mookie Alexander. Mookie, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I'm doing good. I, re- I appreciate you taking some time to do this. I know you got a lot going on, and I want to want to hit a couple of different things here with you. Uh, first of all, let, let's start with with uh, <laughs> Nate Diaz, who's always an interesting guy to talk about. He's he's polarizing. We we just saw the fight between him and Jorge Masvidal last weekend. It didn't end the way anybody wanted it to. And now he's uh, he was initially everybody was calling for the rematch, and then he goes to Twitter and basically implies it's not going to happen, and I'm going on tour and forget all of this. I don't I don't know if that's an official retirement, but ha- ha- what's your response to something like that from Nate Diaz? Uh, it, it's not particularly surprising, it, you know. Nate's just with the way he, he he's grown up, him and his brother, and just the way things have gone between him and the UFC. It, it feels like whenever he feels slighted or he feels wronged he, he, he thinks to himself i don't need this I, I i can just move on with my life because of course the last time uh he had this long hiatus was after the second conor mcgregor fight which was a tremendous fight but then he did ended up not fighting again until august of this year he was supposed to fight uh dustin poirier last year at ufc 230 and then uh it's kind of a, a he said she said sort of deal as as to why that fight was canceled uh but, you know, that aside, um, Diaz likely made a lot of money for that Masvidal fight. Now, personally, I don't want to see a, a, an immediate rematch of that. I don't even need to see a rematch in the first place. That was a very lopsided fight. And even though the outcome was anticlimactic, and you can obviously understand why Nate would be upset that the fight was stopped that way. He thinks he can come back and, and, and turn things around. Um, there, there's no need to see Diaz Masvidal, too. I do want to see Nate Diaz continue fighting, though. I think he's still got a lot to offer for this sport. He is one of the most entertaining characters in and outside of the octagon. Um, and, and there are options for him to pursue. Uh, it's just a matter of, does he need it from a financial standpoint? And uh, would he be willing to take fights that are essentially not really going to get him anywhere near a title shot, uh, but could at least provide entertainment value for the fans? So um that's going to be one of the things to monitor moving forward because of course his brother hasn't fought in in four years and it doesn't look like he's going to be fighting anytime soon but nate has grown in popularity substantially especially after beating mcgregor the first time or beating mcgregor in their first fight that uh, i i imagine that there would be disappointment if what diaz is hinting at with that uh, instagram quote quote means that uh he's just going to step away from the sport for good does it you know, I always marvel at at his fan base. Incredibly loyal, incredibly passionate, and everybody was up in arms over the way this fight ended. Yet, and you touched on it, and I couldn't agree more. He was getting tuned up. That was not a competitive three rounds. He may have had a moment here or there where he landed a a shot or two, and Masvidal kind of smiled at him, and then would clock him back. It just, it really was not very competitive, and it looked like it was going to end very early. So the demand for the rematch isn't because man it was nip and tuck and the man it was going back and forth it wasn't everybody's relying on the fact that oh he's a fourth and fifth round fighter and that's where his his cardio kicks in and it, i don't know it, it there's always an excuse with diaz I'm, I'm sort of torn i'm entertained by him 
but he and his brother both, no matter what happens in the fight, if they lose, oh, I, you know, somebody was out to get them, somebody was spying in their camp, somebody, the judges are, don't know what they're doing. I mean, they, it's never, hey, you know what? The guy beat me. I, I don't know that I've heard either one of them ever utter those words. Yeah, and of course, there's, I think, the spike drink excuse from, from Nick Diaz a few years ago. There was the weigh-in controversy when he fought George St. Pierre uh, way back in, I think it was 2013. But with Nate, yeah, he won maybe 30 seconds of that fight. And yeah, he did almost get stopped in the opening round. And I feel like as much as we have seen Nate, of course, he, he came back from an early deficit to beat McGregor in, in their first fight. But his history of, oh, he, he, he's used to just getting beaten up and then he comes back to, to win or make things competitive i think it's a tad overblown we have seen nate diaz take a beating and then just keep getting beaten up until he either you know gets stopped on that one occasion which would be josh thompson it's the only time he's ever been knocked out uh cold in the ufc or he just loses a lopsided decision this happened against benson henderson up up in seattle that was seven years ago that was his one shot at a lightweight title and henderson turned tuned in uh, turned in rather the most dominant performance of his career, and Diaz never had a chance in there. So uh, I think the reputation uh, of Nate Diaz doesn't necessarily reflect reality accurately. Uh, but when it comes to the two of them and their fan base, uh, it's certainly a unique part of MMA's culture. Uh, it, it, like They're kind of like the counterculture for what we've seen out of your typical UFC fighter. It's what makes them so polarizing, but you can also understand why, you know, you can get some detractors for both of them, not necessarily as fighters from, you know, how exciting they are and the effort that they give and the fact that both of them are clearly elite-level fighters at their very best, Uh, but it's more uh, the behavior afterward when a result doesn't go their way. Yeah, it's... uh, I always marvel at it, and, and again, they do make things interesting. I'll give them that, but you know, it's the they've never been accused of being great sportsmen after losing a fight. So, uh, moving on from that, I'm curious though. That same night, you, you had a huge event. Obviously, Canelo Alvarez capturing a title, moving way up to light heavyweight, and and doing uh, what some thought would be impossible. But before that fight in that arena, they're they're waiting for UFC 244 to end. I've never heard of anything like that. They're showing it on the big screens there, and. You know, good for the crowd. They get a free pay per view while they're sitting in the stands waiting for a you know a major title fight. But had you ever heard of anything like that? And what what did you think of that decision? Well, I had to work both events for Bloody Elbow, so of course I wholeheartedly supported that decision. I don't want to do that sort of crazy multitasking. But if I were a fan, if I were a fan, and I was at MGM Grand, and I have to wait ninety minutes between co-main event and the main event because of a pay-per-view that's happening on the other side of the country in a totally different sport, I would be a bit peeved because, yes, there is some crossover. There are plenty of MMA fans, UFC fans, who wanted to watch a Canelo fight live and probably plenty of Canelo, or boxing fans, rather, who were curious about this UFC pay-per-view because it was, uh, you know, a really big deal. But there are also plenty of boxing fans who could not care less about the UFC, and they think that this is an insult that zone ended up agreeing to delaying the main event until after the UFC was over. So from a business standpoint, I can understand why zone did it, because even though they are a subscription service um, and they, they tout their on-demand value, live programming is still the most important aspect of sports. So if they ran opposite each other at about the same time, there's a really good chance that the UFC would have dominated all the headlines and Canelo's knockout would have been an afterthought. But instead, 
the UFC main event ends in somewhat anticlimactic fashion. And then you have everybody go to the Canelo fight, and that ends in one of the best knockouts of the year. So Canelo gets some pu- uh, good publicity there. Uh, the highlights from that fight on YouTube, it exceeded, I think, 4 million views already. Uh, that tells you that you know, there was a lot of interest in what happened. But uh, zone certainly irked a lot of hardcore boxing fans with this move. It, it is totally unprecedented to me. I hope it doesn't happen again. Uh, the way that the UFC is structured, that they're dominating most Saturday nights, but it's really rare to have a big UFC pay-per-view and a big boxing event on head-to-head like this. And uh, DAZN is new to the fight game, essentially. They've only launched in the U.S. for a little over what, 13, 14 months or so. So they'll, they'll take their lumps, but for them, it's all about getting more subscribers. But as we've no, you know, not just in sports, but in business in general. What is best for business is not necessarily what's best for the customer. Yeah. Speaking with Mookie Alexander here, associate editor at bloodyelbow.com. He's joining us here when we get in the cage on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, for a few more moments, I saw a tweet from John Jones. said, just finished a coach's meeting studying Dominic and Corey's careers. Established Dominic's definitely the more dangerous fighter. Beating his ass next. I don't know if that's an official announcement of the fight, but it sounds like that's who John would like to see, Dominic Reyes. What do you think? Is that is that next on the docket for him? Yeah, this is an interesting thing because Corey Anderson has just as good a resume over these last few fights as Dominic Reyes, if not a little bit better, because Reyes' knockout of, of Chris Weidman was outstanding, but Weidman has zero fights at 205 pounds you know, entering uh, their main event a couple of weeks ago. Whereas Corey Anderson, he might not be winning in as exciting fashion, but he did certainly won in exciting fashion against Johnny Walker, and they figured that Walker was going to be this big up-and-coming talent, that Walker would be the guy to challenge Jones soon, and then Anderson ends up knocking him out in a round. But he's also beaten Ilya Latifi and Glover Teixeira along the way, and Teixeira is a former title challenger himself. Uh, for Reyes, he's got a good win over Volkan Uzdemir. That was a split decision, and Ovin St. Preux, uh, was an impressive performance. OSP is a former interim title challenger who's went the distance with Jones. I would, uh, I wouldn't be, you know, upset if they went either direction on this one. But um, from a merit standpoint, you could say that Anderson has earned it more. But from an entertainment perspective, from a business standpoint, you could say that Reyes, with his size and his fighting style, that's a fight that uh, the fan base would prefer to see and i don't blame them whatsoever dominic race is absolutely incredible to watch and uh it's all it's been all about finding that one guy who can possibly topple john jones and if he's not going to move up to heavyweight anytime soon then reyes is a perfectly valid option at light heavyweight at this point so i i think that he's going to fight reyes next maybe the first quarter of 2020 and then anderson will go in a number one contender fight or something of that nature and if he wins again then he gets a title shot it really is. A, I feel like, Mookie, we're in a situation where John's kind of cleaned out the division, and this is, all, with all due respect to Corey, with all due respect to Dominic, hardcores know who they are and have watched them. You know, I know, I've watched both these guys just like you have, so I'm very familiar. But in terms of appeal to the casual fan, in terms of the hype and electricity attached to a matchup, neither of these guys have it. I, I, I you know, I, I don't think they're well-known enough. I don't think they, you know, it's not like, um, you know, they've got any kind of a aura about them even when anthony johnson was in there the way he was knocking people out and the back and forth with with daniel cormier and alexander gustison i mean it just you know unfortunately john sort of cleaned everybody out and anthony's retired 
you, you, and it feels like he kind of fights down to the level of the the magnitude of the event, if you will. If the guy doesn't bring out that electricity, if it's not, you know, some really heated rivalry, John's performance kind of indi- will sort of mirror that in a sense. Do you agree with that? Yeah, this has been an odd 2019 for Jones because after pretty much dominating Alexander Gustafson uh, at the end of last year, I mean, that was a, a really good one side, mostly one-sided performance against the guy who came closest to beating him. Uh, these two fights in 2019, Anthony Smith, yeah, he, he comfortably won that fight, but of course he had an illegal strike that cost him a point, and uh, it, it was hardly an exciting performance, and Smith was clearly inferior to Jones in just about every which way, but it felt like Jones never got out of second gear. And then against Tiago Santos, you know, Santos is a former middleweight who instantly became a light heavyweight contender with a few good wins, and Santos fought an overwhelming majority of that contest uh, basically on one good good leg, and Jones ended up scraping by with a split decision. So, you know, with Jones, I think there is such great demand for him to either fight Daniel Cormier one more time, and that's just because of the rivalry aspect. I feel like that hatchet has been buried at this point with Jones having two wins, albeit one of them reversed because of the failed drug test. Uh, but at least there are more interesting, compelling options at heavyweight that we haven't seen yet. So, you know, Jones has teased it for the longest while, and it has never materialized. So at this point, I don't know how many more title defenses John will have at light heavyweight before there we reach peak demand for Jones to just finally move up to heavyweight and take on the biggest challengers and then enhance his legacy as one of the all-time greats. Whether you, you of course, want to put an asterisk on it or not, given his Un, uh, unsavory history with uh, PED use. Would, would you rather see him move up to heavyweight or hang around long enough for Israel Adesanya to step up to light heavyweight? Yeah, I would rather see him at heavyweight. For some reason, there's something about John Jones versus Israel Adesanya that doesn't quite get my, my blood pumping just yet. And maybe it's because we still need to see Adesanya in there against other top middleweights before I can really make a determination of how uh, how quickly I want to see him go up another weight class. But uh, with Jones, you've got Stipe Miocic as the champion right now. Uh, and, of course, he's going to rematch Cormier presumably in a few months' time. There is Francis Ngannou, who's got to be the most destructive puncher in the, on the entire UFC roster. Uh, so, like, there are non-title options for Jones at heavyweight that are more interesting than actual title fights for John at 205. So even though heavyweight is hardly a division stacked with talent, it's just on a matchup standpoint, it feels like we, we, we've – we're jogging in place when it comes to John and these title defenses over the years at light heavyweight. And you brought up Anthony Johnson uh, earlier and that he's retired. Well, he intends to come back to the UFC. In fact, I, I believe he's supposed to be in the USADA testing pool for a few more months, and then he will compete at heavyweight. So if they want to revive that potential fight, because it was supposed to happen at light heavyweight a few years back before Jones had the hit-and-run incidents and got stripped of his belt, John Jones versus Anthony Johnson at heavyweight, would certainly be, uh, I'm not going to say a mega pay-per-view, but it is another potential matchup that you could have there, given what we know of Anthony Johnson over the years as this devastating striker who's got really good takedown defense, but also has the the types of flaws that John can exploit and win. So um, I would rather see John at heavyweight than Jones versus Adesanya at the moment. Yeah, I I would definitely look forward to that. Hey, hey, uh, before we let you go, let me throw one more at you, and it's a fight that's coming up 
uh, a little bit later, and that would be uh, Kamaro Usman against Colby Covington. What I'm always curious to see how people respond to Colby because to me, he's the poor man's Connor. He's the poor man's Chael. He's he's just in terms of his persona, he's a little clumsy with it. He's not nearly as clever as either one of those guys yet. It's been effective for him. He, he's he's gained a, a, a fair amount of attention. He's gained a fan base. He you know he does his best to antagonize, and it's worked to a certain extent. I find him, like I said, a little heavy-handed with it, and a little, you know, he, I don't find him to be the brightest guy in the world. But wh- where are you at with Colby Covington, the the person, the the persona, and where he is as a fighter? Well, I find Colby's persona to be completely completely obnoxious. I mean, he's he's not my cup of tea when it comes to uh, that type of promoting, but. What you can't deny is he gets the reaction that he wants, which is a lot of people booing him. And I guess he is of the opinion that any reaction is a good reaction. Uh, but you cannot let dislike of his persona or him as a person cloud the fact that he is a really good fighter. And this fight with Kamaru Usman is a genuinely interesting fight that I think is actually quite tough to call because Usman is a powerful, super strong wrestler, not much of a striker. I mean, he had... He has some power in his in his hands, but you know it's not something that he relies upon too much. But with Covington, not only is it, is he a really good wrestler, but he has cardio for days, just like Kamaru. But he is, he works at such a high volume that he just wears you down as the fight progresses. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Covington can, uh, to use the old phrase, impose his will on Kamaru and uh, make Usman work at a pace he might not ne- necessarily be comfortable with, or if Covington can't get the takedown and he gets a little frazzled by. Uh, the strength of Usman, we will see whether or not Usman is willing to take Covington down and make him work off of his back, and the the, the dynamic of that fight could change. So I'm not looking forward to the next several weeks of the, the trash talk between these two, <laughs> especially from Covington's side. Yeah. But I have every reason to be uh, com- compelled to watch this fight, and really the whole card. UFC 245 is, is outstanding. With You've got Usman Covington. You have uh, Max Holloway versus Alex Volkanovsky, and to me that's the best of the three title fights. And Amanda Nunes against Jermaine Durandamy uh, for the bantamweight title. So the UFC is ending on a really strong note. And Usman versus Covington uh, has huge ramifications, obviously, with it being uh, a title fight. But it has huge ramifications for the welterweight division. And uh, certainly some bigger things moving forward if Covington wins and that persona ends up getting uh, you know, promoted even more with him being the champion should he uh, get the W over Kamaru. He is Mookie Alexander, associate editor at BloodyElbow.com, also an editor at Field Goals for you Seahawks fans out there. Hey, a pleasure to speak with you, Mookie. Thanks so much for taking time with us, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime. All right, have a good weekend, and uh, go Seahawks on Monday night. Need that win badly.